Welcome to the Busy Mumsy Podcast, Season 2. I'm your forever coffee-infused host, Ashley Verma, and we are all here weekly to share the ups, downs, and all-arounds of the wild world of parenting. A safe space, a Lego-free space, to vent, to inspire, and well, perhaps this is the only adult conversation you hear all day. What is Adia doing? A, B, C, D. <laughs> is that funny? So each week, I will be joined by a fellow striving, thriving, and surviving busy mumsy. We learn together. We grow together. Hell, we cheers with an adult bevy when necessary. I get it. I am human and failures simply happen. I am not shiny and I am never filtered unapologetically. I am at its best. Even when the dishes aren't done, there's crayon on the wall, and well, my hair hasn't been washed in forever. I am Busy Mumsy. Are you tidy, neat, and assorted parent, or you live on the wild side of chaos and perhaps haven't seen the floor in a minute or two? Hey, hey, there is no judgment. I personally feel like I've lived with my toes in both areas. This is a first. I'm not going to lie. Like, I'm really excited about this. This is a first on the Busy Mumsy podcast today as we are chatting about tidying up. Um, today, I am joined in conversation with TikTok sensation Sophie Liard, aka The Folding Lady. Now, I will be honest, we are definitely going to chat all about our business and the inspiration for sure. But what I'm really also dying to know is that she is a super mom to two boys with a pretty big age gap, like 10 years. Oh, I just want to know really like, how did she juggle that? And then creating a business. I mean, like there really is so much to learn, so much more to learn really about Sophie. Now she is the founder, the creator of The Folding Lady that started at the beginning of the global pandemic. I mean, hey, why not in a global pandemic start a business? <laughs> Her folding skills were learned in the department store she worked in from the age of 16. She was taught to fold by many prestigious brands such as DKNY, Ralph Lauren, and Seven for All Mankind. She, trans she transferred her folding and merchandising skills from the store to home and now shares her magic, and yes, it is gold dust magic, with others through her social media platform and first book, The Folding Lady. You know what? I want to be, I want to hear about her mentor. Like who nurtured her love of retail? I love that Sophie has a love of keeping things tidy. And I am really excited to welcome Sophie onto this week's Busy Mumsy episode. So let's go. Sophie Liard, welcome to the Busy Mumsy podcast. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. How are you? You know, I am all sunshine and happiness here in Uganda, and you are you are sunshine, but you are all bundled up. <laughs> oh my God, it's so cold here. Well, it's not the coldest it's been this year, so I mean, that's a positive, but it's cold. We're going to get snow next week, apparently. That's what my mother-in-law said. She mm -hmm. was like, um, we're like bracing, you know, we're going to hunker down for some snow next week, and I'm like... I, I'm not going to lie. I miss it now. I've been here nearing five months and I miss, I'm a sweater girl. I'm like a, mm -hmm. a chunky scarf and layers. Yeah, I agree. I, I feel like I can dress better in the winter as well. Like if I, I can just jump her coat, beanie, done. Love it. Yeah, absolutely. And give me like a really cool, like wool, chunky boot. Mm -hmm. I am like super stoked about that. Well, I really appreciate your time as I know you are very busy building this mega brand of yours, The Folding Lady, which just that in itself, the name is just epic. But I'm sure you've heard that a million times already now. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> but you know what? I, I have to say, like, of course, like as a podcast presenter, we have to do our homework. Right. And we have mm -hmm. to like dive into who we have coming on the show and we obviously want to talk about your brand and how you came to be the folding lady but I actually really want to know and I, I don't think you talk a lot about it is becoming a mom like welcome to a parenting podcast Sophie <laughs> I've never done a parenting podcast like this is so cool I love it there you go. So I would love to just get to know you as this is the first time I'm meeting you and perhaps 
this is the first time for a busy mumsy listener that, you know, they're finding out about you, but I doubt that because your following is mega. Mm-hmm. I just want to know, what was it like for you? Go back. You've got two boys mm-hmm. and what are, what are their ages? Like five and 14, 15? Yeah. So George is 15 and Arthur is uh, four. So. Oh my goodness. So yeah. you, so you're a boy mom. Let's mm-hmm. go back. What was it like for you finding out when you were first expecting? Uh, so going back to George, I was like, yes, boy. I found out what George, like George was a boy. Like I, I, I always knew I was going to find out, like it wasn't a question because one, I feel like the surprise is gone because I know I'm having a baby and it's going to be a boy or a girl. So I was like, do you know what? There's so much going to go on on the day that I give birth. I think I'll just find out whether it's going to be a boy or a girl. And I, you know, I just, I'm impatient. Like I couldn't wait that long, like hands down to anyone who can wait that long because no, I just couldn't. I'm too impatient. I want to know and I want to get ready and buy things, you know, and um, yeah, it was nice though, because, and then we, you know, gave him a name really early on. George was always going to be his name. And uh, yeah, it was cool. I mean, I was 21 when I found out I was pregnant with George. Although at 21, I feel like you feel like a lot older than you are. But looking back, I was like, wow, <laughs> 21 is young. <laughs> so young. Is- I mean, I, I, I have to say to you, I actually walked in with my geriatric cane when I found out I was pregnant because I had fallen pregnant at... 38 Mm. when I, um, when I found out and it's hilarious to me, obviously I was a geriatric parent. I am Mm -hmm. a geriatric parent and to think 21. Yeah. But you don't feel that when you're 21 and pregnant, but you fit you when you look back on it. So when I was having Arthur, I was 32, I think. So to look back on it, I was like, wow that was young to have a baby but then again and also you you don't think because my parents were when they had me and my sister they were sort of 21 23 and they were married Mm -hmm. at 19 so it doesn't seem like a big deal um it's just when you look back on things that you realize wow that was a moment like how did I do that I was just gonna say like Looking back now, your 21-year-old self for baby number one and then baby number two at 32, what was like the big drastic difference for you? Uh, I think the drastic difference um, of having my second a lot uh, further on was, you know, when I had George at 21, and, and it wasn't about that I was 21, but back when I had George, there was no, I mean, social media was just coming up. Up. we only really had Facebook I think Instagram was around but I felt like I was the only person on it like none of my friends were on it or anything so we it's okay have... so I was on MySpace and I, I mean oh my God, lo- nearly ages me <laughs> yeah, yeah I loved MySpace um Hi. yeah uh so we didn't have that comparison to what everyone else has got and we also weren't marketed to as much with you know, this is really great for your baby. This is how you feel. It wasn't all in your face when I had George. So in one respect, you know, you look to your family for advice, which isn't always the greatest. Sometimes it's nice just to make your own decisions by what you see online. But I also wasn't bought into all these products that are out now. And I just remember when I was having Arthur and I would be looking on social media and looking around the internet and seeing what everyone else has got, oh my God, there, there was everything. There was mattresses, there was, um, you know, those sleep little, um, I don't know what they're called. There was like these sleep oh, cushions. Yeah. The, the sleepy head. Yes, there was a sleepy head. And that was really big. And then there was um, bottle machines to make your bottles with. And yeah there was also and there was so many there there were so many different rules as well so like when I was having George there was rules about weaning and it was a little bit earlier and then by the time I had Arthur you had to wean at six months and like the whole thing had changed so for me 
I was kind of like, well, I don't think I'm going to buy into many of these things because I've brought up a kid on none of that. So it was quite nice to not be sort of, because a lot of it is scaremongering as well. I feel like, I feel like a lot of it was like, oh, you should have this. You should have this. This is going to change your parenting life. And actually it really doesn't. I think the stripped back, like with George, it was totally stripped back and I didn't have anything and we got on perfectly fine. So don't get me wrong. There was a couple of things that changed my life of Arthur, which was a white noise machine. Love it. We had this little, oh, there was this amazing product that I recommend to everyone. It was for your pram. And um, it's like a blackout for your pram, but a breathable blackout. And it fits over the pram. So when you're out and about and they want to sleep, it's completely like blackout. Oh, so good. But everything else, like mattresses, cots, prams, I was not into. I was like, I don't need any of that. Like, obviously, I I need a pram. But I don't need the pram of the moment. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, Um, no, I completely, because from making the move to Uganda, I had mounds of things that still had price tags on them, things that were never used or anything like that. And I was like, well, I have to donate this. Like I have to. So I found a few different families that were expecting kids. And I was like, here, just take it. Mm. You know what? Like this was a gift to me. This is now a treasure to you. Maybe you will get some use out of it. Maybe you won't. Maybe you don't need all of this nonsense in your life, but at least you don't have to pay anything for it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's good when it's free because <laughs> everything's so expensive. That's the thing. I feel like with the amount that online tells the mums and dads what they need and what, what's great for their baby, you, you know, you could probably buy a house. <laughs> you could probably get married and have a really great wedding. Do you know what I mean? Like a really big I wedding. To, I, I have to even go back to when you mentioned the sleepyhead. I was transfixed on this mm-hmm. thing. I wanted a design. And all of this. And I actually can vividly remember when the NHS comes to the house and they do the walkthrough and they kind of like just see how you're doing and kind of like what your environment is. And I remember um, what one of the nurses said, you don't need that. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'm sorry, what? You you don't need that. Mm-hmm. You're going, your baby needs to be swaddled this way, put this way you do not need to have your child in that sleepy head. And I was like, okay, well, I'm obviously going to do exactly what she tells me to do because she mm-hmm. is, you know, the expert. So um, I put it in the corner and then later on donated it. Never yeah. used it. I, I got an Instagram photo with it. I put Adia in it for my daughter in it for an Instagram grid shot. It's super cute. The first day she came home, that was it. And it's that like, was- hi, Instagram. I have a sleepy head. Yes, you know? hi. Thank you. I have one. I'm in the trend. I have a sleepy head. Check me out. I'm a good mom. I am a good good geriatric mom. Sophie, I'm a geriatric mom. (laughs) Oh my God. Do you know what? My auntie, so, so my mom and my mom and my auntie have a massive age gap as well. The same as George and Arthur actually. And so she was pregnant when I was pregnant with George. And I think she was around your age because I remember she came back and she was like, I'm classed as a geriatric mom. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I don't remember we had some good jokes about it along the way as well. But um, yeah, I couldn't believe that. That just, I don't know, something about that word though. How do you feel about that word? You know what? Like I, I actually, I don't, it doesn't bother me. I laugh no. about it. Um, I, I actually went, when you said that you gave birth to George at 21, I instantly go back to when I was 21, what I was doing, what my my vision of my life was then I would not have been ready. Um, and I, I, I guess you'd never know when you are going to be ready to be a parent as they're really, it's just confetti in the air when it happens. But I just don't think I mentally could have been able to handle it. And I think that the good man upstairs put it in my trajectory in a way where I was kind of in a better headspace and ready to take it on. Mm. I, I, it may sound hokey, but I, I don't, yeah, push come to shove. I would have been able to do it, obviously, but I, I know that I am much better suited to be a parent now. I'm like fingers crossed in my geriatric body that I will be able to have another child because, you know, that, you know, I, I would love that. Um, you know, we shall see. 
still time. I think there's still, still time. time. Yeah, yeah. There's still time. I think a lot of people are having children quite later on now because, like, I just think women are so busy. Women doing their thing now and, you know, w- working on their careers or doing their thing. And I see... I mean, not a lot of my friends had a child when I had George and so many more people that I know have had babies around the time that I've had Arthur. So, um, yeah, I definitely people are not people are, are having babies a lot later, I think. Well, now that George is actually that age, that age bracket that you were when you first got into your first job in retail. Mm-hmm. What is that? Because obviously this is going to spring into us chatting about your business, the folding lady, but like mm. he's now at that age. And now are you and your, and your hubby, like kind of pushing him in that direction of like, you need to get that part-time job. You need to, it doesn't have to be that number one thing that's going to now, you know, you are going to, you know, do this and that's it for the rest of your life. But like, is there any sort of like connection to that for you or are you just kind of like stepping back and kind of letting him figure out what his next steps are? Yeah, I think we're very, as parents, we're very, um, I want to say laid back, but I hope in a good way. We're not pushy parents. I'll tell you that now. Never have been. I didn't, I wasn't brought up with pushy parents. I think it's really hard for working parents to be pushy parents. I think it's like, I think you need time if you want to be a pushy parent because you have to put the time in. But I think what we are is supportive parents. And I think what I realised looking back on what I was like as a child, you know, you have things that you want to try and you have things that you want to do and you have ideas. And I'm just, I think I'm really aware of trying to support the ideas when they're there because they're young enough to have a go and not do it, if that makes sense. Because mm-hmm. I do, I truly believe that they will make, they will make good choices if they try things out. And then if the it mistake. turns out, if it turns out, yeah, it's not a good idea or they don't like it, then great. Cause they're going to move on and they're going to learn and they'll apply something that they learned from that to the next idea. And like George has always been really into football. So we've always supported football. And then now he's 15. He's kind of, he's been in the last two years, he's been into like graphic design so he's really great so for that he's got his ipad and his programs and um things like that but uh he does some stuff for me he's done some graphic design for me and i've paid him because that's what i think and it's not really about how much i pay him it's about him understanding that if you do something and you work you get paid and then how to handle the money so it's a really fun yeah, it's a really funny one with money because you kind of, I kind of feel like I want my kids to practice money, like while we're still around, because I don't feel like I practiced money as a kid. And then I made so many mistakes as an adult. And then I have this thing in my head where if I get my kids to practice money while I'm here, because I feel like money needs to be supervised a little bit. But if they can practice money while they're at home, then he might be really good at it when he gets when he moves out you know I think it's important my I I I started thinking about I started making money as a as a nine-year-old and that money that I made always went to dance class always like really no negotiating on it but that's what I wanted it to go towards I wanted it to go towards a new dance competition costume or the money went towards gas to get me to my dance classes and all that kind of stuff and still I I feel like I'm still that kind of headstrong person of worrying about money because Mm -hmm. of that, because I just always knew about, I knew I always made money. I always hustled to make money. Mm -hmm. I knew the importance of it, but then I also knew like, I I need it for the, like, it was always kind of like, it turned into a a worrying thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, um, I think that. The teenagers today, though, it's really difficult for them to go out and make money, I think, because there's more laws around them working. I think as parents, I'm definitely more, you know, I babysat for people and saved money when I was 13. But there's no way I'd let my 13-year-old babysit someone else's kids. Like, I just wouldn't do it. I won't even let George babysit Arthur. um, Because it just, I just feel like wow at 13 someone gave me responsibility for their baby 
and their two-year-old I used to look after these two little girls and one of them was like six months old and one of them was two and don't get me wrong nothing happened but that's a huge responsibility looking back I was like but we all used to do it we all used to babysit absolutely I I think about Jennifer this gal named Jennifer was our babysitter Mm -hmm. she was 13 yeah and I just can't in my head and 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 not that if anyone else does it then that honestly but it's just my boundaries I just couldn't think of George and not that he's irresponsible either it's just that giving a 13 year old responsibility for two little children I just don't know if I could do it so so I think um like that's just one example but there's also more rules around children working like you know they can't they've got to work so many hours they've got to be supervised before their GCSEs da 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 and so you know there's less opportunity but so George is doing his work experience this year um which I'm so excited about like I'm so buzzing for um but it, but it's all the other things I'll tell you what else we've been thinking about with the whole workspace with the kids it's the independence to get to work as well that's another thing that we thought of so um George will have to get the train to go to this work experience for the week. And he came to me and he was like, because he's never been on the train. I mean, by 15, I'd been on the train like every weekend. But George has never been on the train because he lives. I mean, I lived quite remotely, but George lives in where it's all at. So he doesn't need to go on the train. And he said, oh, can we practice going on the train a couple of times? Because, you know, he didn't want to. He's so good. He didn't want to just get on the train. That, that melts my heart, but then also oh. that, that's just like responsibility and care at, yeah. at still like young, but not, but, but is, and like the, those first times that he's able to lean on you. I mean, that is, mm-hmm. that is a beautiful thing. Yeah, it was, it's amazing. The stuff they come out with at this age is just incredible. And so we were like, I was like, yeah, let's practice, you know, cause it's all about where do you put your money? And who do you give it to? And how do you get your ticket? And, you know, and things like that. I mean, he's now been on the train a few times and he goes with his friends now because they go to a football match somewhere where they have to get the train. So they nail it every time. But, you know, it's it's all that as well. It's And I, it just makes me realise that we haven't, George hasn't been let out as much as I was let out. And there's so much for them to learn. But I'm, I, I mean, luckily, what I... The world is so different now, right? Like, so different. So I, different. Um, I, mean, I, I keep on not, not, not threatening that that's not the right word, but I keep on saying I'm going to wrap my daughter in bubble wrap. She's not going anywhere. Like it's, I'm going to keep her bottled at three. <laughs> and I'm not letting her. She, she doesn't need to learn about the train. She doesn't need to learn about how to go on the train. I know that that's wrong. And I say that completely in jest. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, it is like it. You we have these added elements of worry now. Thank you, social media. But thank you, social media, for teaching us. But then also the the negative side to it. So it's like yeah. we do. We want to keep them sheltered. We want to keep them away from it. But then we want them to know so that they grow headstrong, right? Yeah, a hundred percent. And I, I uh, the other thing as well is that I found because I'm very open to George going doing places with his friends and seeing things but there's also you've got to have they've got to be around other children with parents who let them go out and do things so they've got friends to do it with so they're not just going on their own and um, that was something I thought about because this weekend the boys went to an away football match this weekend and actually they all had to get on a coach and go all the way oh god I don't even know where it was but it was far it was like a whole day out but we had to trust them on a coach with other people and um, to get to the match, to be at the football match. And we all know what some football matches are like. And then, you know, to all come all the way home. But there's some things about technology that I'm so thankful for because, um, you know, we put George on the Find My Friends tracker so we know where he is. And then we've got the WhatsApp group with the other mums and we're all on that WhatsApp group. And I started it off. I was like, can you believe they're all going all the way here today? And then we were all chatting about how we felt just, you know, on little conversation and, you know, and it was nice. And, you know, um, 
they were all they support, all right? yeah and they all went together yeah you need that support not only does your son need that support within his friendship circle but then you also need it too so that you can kind of get out those anxieties of like mm-hmm. oh no what if because we, we can't just live in what ifs right we have to be able yeah, to exactly forward. and we can't we can't just live you know keeping our kids in um I don't know. I don't know whether it's where I live or where I grew up because I grew up in Manchester and, you know, we were quite restricted on where we could go when we grew up there. Um, Jacob, my husband, grew up in Croydon um, and, you know, we live in Guildford, which is really, I'm going to put it out that it's really safe. It feels safe. And I've been to Guildford. I have been. Yeah. It's so really cool up there. Like, it was so glorious mm. and wonderful and probably had the lowest ceiling I've ever been in in a pub oh yeah but um super cool Guilford is awesome Guilford is very cool and like the kids where we live they walk to school they can walk to the park like now he's at an age where they just go out and we don't have to plan anything for holidays anymore because they just meet up they phone each other and they go out and then we don't see them until they're hungry and that's exactly the type of life I want them to lead do you know what I mean like what better than to get up see your friends go out I don't even know what they get up to um until maybe I get a phone call from someone I don't know I'm assuming they're good yeah but Um, that type of like smaller community is such a comforting thing to live in I grew up in a a small town in Moundsville West Virginia and let me just say when the streetlights came on you knew it was bath time you knew that but there was like my parents, like out the door, we went, the doors were unlocked. Like we knew everyone in the neighborhood and it was mm-hmm. just comforting. Like you, like you said, you walked to school, you, you interacted with the neighbors and it was, they, my parents grew up there and we grew up there and just everyone knew everyone's business. Yeah. I actually really like that. I don't know if I, um, I don't think we've got as much as a community feel where I live. Um, like, I don't know, I know my neighbours left and right, but I don't, I know this, everyone at the school, like most people at the school, I feel like I had more of a community feel in Manchester, I have to say. Something about the Northerners that were just community spirited. Um, but um, there's definitely community with the school, with the parents, like that you build though, you have to build on that, I think. Yeah, it's, um, it's right, it's like with any yeah. religion. yeah. Um, and I've got some fantastic friends that I've known since the kids were really, really little. Um, but yeah, I think I'm less of a, I'm not really a person that gets involved, I have to say. Uh, I do try my hardest. I don't know whether it's because I'm a Capricorn, but I'm more of a, like, I'm here if you need me kind of kind of girl. I'm not really one to get involved in things. Um, well, Sophie, I, I just feel like you're, you're going to walk onto campus and everyone kind of like parts the sea as you walk <laughs> down, as you are like the Instagram, TikTok famous gal that you are, the folding lady. I, I feel like maybe people are just intimidated. Oh my God. I doubt it. I, d- I don't even think people, I don't even know if people even know. Like, I know the kids, like my friends at the school. I don't know if it's talked about. George is very like he doesn't talk about it a lot. I don't think at school it's it's not the coolest thing in the world. I don't think it's cool, but it's not cool. I don't know. But um, I, I think it's super cool, and I, I I obviously want you to share why, how. I know you worked in retail. It just yeah. it kept on. It kept you focused. It kept you centered, and then the pandemic happens and you just go for it? Or was, was there like quite a different buildup to presenting to the world the folding lady? No, I think that's pretty much exactly how it went. So I worked in retail for since I was 16, since I left school. And I just absolutely adored that job so much. It was the best job ever. I mean, it paid nothing, but it was just, I was just so happy. I mean, obviously I had really rubbish days. Um, but there was nowhere I'd rather be. I was so happy coming home, then going to work, then coming home, then going to work. And if there was nothing else that I could do, you know, in between, I didn't even care. Like, I just wanted to go home and go to work. And it was just such a great environment, such a great job, very creative, very, you know, 
people watching and selling to people and seeing what they sold and um and then in the at the start of the pandemic I went on TikTok and I just started folding some stuff I think I, I propped the camera up and just filmed some folding laundry and then I just started getting these requests and I was like oh I can they're like can you fold a jumper like, yeah I can fold a jumper folding those for years filmed folding a jumper oh can you fold this yeah I can fold that you know there's nothing you can't you haven't folded if you've worked in retail and that was it and it just and it just I mean I, the folding lady came a lot um a lot after because my mum and my sister suggested that I rebrand they were like you know if one calls you the folding lady and they were calling me the folding now here's the folding lady because it was a bit jokey to begin with and, and you think that everyone was calling you the folding lady yeah and it was them that said it and I was like oh, okay and then I don't know it took me a while to think about it and then I thought you know what that's that's kind of nice because it takes away me as the only thing about the business um you know takes my name off it for one gives me a bit of privacy for two and it brands my business really well um so after a couple of months of thinking about it um I decided to change it but I also hired someone who would make me a brand logo which was such an intense process I just I was not expecting that to be such an intense process, but it really was. But I'm so glad I did it. And then, yeah, and then we got the logo, which was, I just think is beautiful. I love it so much. And um, rebranded as the folding lady. But then starting your own business as a mom, that can just be in itself, like crazy, scary and wild for a lot of, a lot yeah. of people. How was it for you? navigating that between the mom hat back to business hat and like you said you you started in retail probably little did you know you were just learning the ins and outs of it and you had no clue like at the time because you were just like in that day in day out but yeah. like learning business how was that for you and being a mom and was it scary and what what kept you going and what what can you share that can inspire other you know busy mumsies that want to still have that second life if you will yeah oh my god I could talk about this bit all day like first of all I think what what is actually not surprising is I think people don't realize when you work in retail and especially in a department store you learn business you absolutely learn money targets uh supply chain not that I need that right now but you learn marketing, you learn social media, like you learn everything, merchandising. I had all that from retail, like there was nothing I didn't have. I, I don't know whether it was our store manager. She was you know, our store manager, right, who worked with us the whole, like she was, she started at the store when she was 15, 16. She made us read profit and loss reports. She, we had all that, like, she taught us everything about running a business, even though it wasn't technically our business. So I was well equipped from that. From my 15 years in retail, I was so well equipped to run a business, even though I'd never run a business. It well, was I have to say, I have to just chime in there for one thing and say, good on her for mm -hmm. teaching to love a business that's actually not your own personal. Oh, yeah, she made us. That that is something very very hard to do mm -hmm. because we're like so one like kind of like tunnel vision if you will of you know kids that are getting jobs now are just kind of like oh I'm getting it for the paycheck yeah no we weren't we we were not anyone that worked in that store with Linda who was our manager she was called Linda you were working for her and for the company. We were so dedicated to that company and to the brands in that company. You know, we, we knew how many units we had sold on a brand. We knew every single report that was available to us. We knew our profit and loss report. We knew our stock loss. I mean, we, stock take, we were all there for. And managers in particular, we, she made us be a part of so many different things and in all areas of the business. She also moved us around the business quite a lot. So, you know, if you'd worked to learn on, different sectors, yeah, if, if you'd worked on women's wear for a while, 
she after a few years she'd she'd do a reshuffle like every year you'd either stay or you'd move to say like homeware or you might go to uh, recruitment or you know and they had programs for people as well I didn't get on it but um, they had programs for people where you learn all areas of the business as well so you know and and it was even the even on you know when I wasn't a manager and wasn't really working directly with Linda she she pushed that to everyone in the store so I used to run DKNY oh man at 17 I had this notebook I treated my till point like my desk like my office desk I had a calculator I had my targets printed out I had a notebook where we'd well, I'd write everything that I sold so I could add it up so I knew how much I was near target. Um, and then I had all the numbers for the DKY people. I'd be like, we're running out of this. And you, we didn't do this, but Linda made us feel like it was acceptable for us to ring up and go, excuse me, head office, <laughs> uh, we haven't got any stock in this. Can you send it to us? And we'd get it because she made us feel like we were that it was our business so much so that we could influence on you know all the little things you know and um yeah and I I had one weekend member of staff on DKNY and I pushed that onto her as well and she'd write everything she'd sold we didn't see each other very often but we had this book where we'd write each other letters and notes what happened like a handover what happened what we sold da 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 like and it was just amazing. It was so like DKNY at 17, my head was, I owned DKNY. I mean, that, that is some gold dust mentorship by Linda. That she, really oh, got- Honestly, anyone what? that has worked for Linda will tell you she was one, one of the scariest people to be, to have as your boss, but she did something to us that we learned so much from and we had so much respect for her even when we felt like she was being really harsh on us which she was sometimes I had some real moments with her we just we, the respect was always that we wanted to do it for her I tell you one thing about Linda as well right because she she's incredible so every Christmas so so everyone someone locks the store every night this is like a seven like a massive building like seven eight floors she didn't have to do that because she was the store manager. She'd done her time. She didn't have to lock up ever, right? She'd done her time locking up while she was moving up the ranks. So the store manager didn't ever have to lock up and she never did. And then we'd have to do it. Senior managers, um, we have to give it another half an hour. It took like half an hour to an hour to lock up with a member of security. But every Christmas Eve, because obviously we were there, that was our kind of our last crescendo to Christmas, Every Christmas Eve, she locked up. And before she locked up, she would stand at security and she would be there for the first person to leave on Christmas Eve. And she would wish every single person a Merry Christmas. And she'd know every single person. There were 600 people in that store and she knew every single person's name and she wished them a Merry Christmas. And then she locked up on Christmas Eve. I love Linda. Yeah, she's, she's so cool. She's so amazing. I could tell you a few stories, but we could do a whole podcast on Linda, actually. We could start a it's podcast on Linda. Yes, it's all about Linda. Yeah. I, and, and here you are now, you've created this huge empire that I, you must be just, wow, right? Like looking at it, like what is now in the pipeline for the folding lady? What are your hopes, your dreams to continue building out this brand? Yeah, so I think... Um, I think what I'm trying to do at the minute is I'm trying to look at how many different avenues I can go down because obviously I started on social media, but I don't just want to put all my eggs into one social media basket. Um, I think that's quite risky. I don't know how long that'll last considering how quick it started. So I'm not going to, I don't want to leave everything there and think I'm going to make money for the rest of my life off social media. And also I think there's really other good things that I can do. Um, I'd really, you know, I want to travel to America more. I have a massive American audience. So getting there as much as possible um, to just be with the people and in the people's country that follow me is really important to me. Um, So getting to America and back. And we've just booked a trip. Well, I just booked a trip to New York um, because I had, you know, you get companion vouchers on Amex. So I had a companion voucher. I was like, right, we're going back to New York. 
and I uh, had no work. I've, I mean, I've got a couple of leads, but I've got no work for when I'm there. But I'm like, right, guys, let's get some work in New York. Let's go to New York. Oh, you just That's need a- to get back on the, the Kelly and Ryan show. Yes, I mean- yeah. Um, and so we're just reaching out to some people there. But I'd really love... Um, I'd really love a TV show or some sort of show that sort of uh, I can put, I can really like put put my philosophy out there with pe- people's homes. Like I'd love to do a show where we go into people's houses, but I'm talking like just people's houses, you know, not not the worst, but not the most luxurious celebrity house. I'm just talking about That's like. Such a great hook because listen, at the end of the day, what you do is yes, we are tidying up. Yes, we mm. are we, we are making things neat, but the actual psychological side to it that you're helping people to create yeah. less havoc mentally. I mean, I, I, I've watched some of the tutorials, I've given some of them a go. It's calming. It's, it's really calming. And very calming. And you had mentioned earlier about how you're a bit anxious and, you know, can be a bit more like, ah, I am that times 5,000. And I can blame part of that on my coffee, but then I can just pretty much just blame that on me. It's just me and the, the cloth that I was cut from. But there's something so therapeutic about this that I know you already know that. And you're, you speak about, um, obviously, but with a show, my goodness, you're, you're, you're preaching so many other things and just tidying up. Yeah, because here's the thing, like, think about when you go into a department store, you go into a department store when it's tidy and at its best, not in sale time. But generally, you go into a department store and you think, wow, this is lovely. Like, the, you, everyone always comments on the folding and the merchandising and it looks beautiful and all the clothes and you start buying things because it's there and you can see it and you can like, touch it. There's yeah, something about like, touching I, yeah. products I love. Yep. And you want it and it's there because it's all there selling itself to you. And that's what I'm trying to do in people's homes. Like that's what I want them to realize. This isn't about, it's not just about organization making you feel better and, you know, giving you one less thing to worry about. But it's about like selling something to yourself. Like, for example, you want to if you want to start baking, you're not going to do that with everything at the back of the cupboard and you don't know where anything is. You know, you're going to do that if you organize a little area for your baking stuff in your kitchen and everything's really accessible and it looks really inviting and it's organized. That's when you're going to start baking. But it's not just when you're going to start baking. It's when you're going to carry on baking it's going to be a sustainable way to do it. And, and I just feel like that's what people forget about their homes. Like your home is literally your vision board. It's your live action vision board um, to your dreams. Like you want to bake, get that stuff out, like get it in a place where you can see it. And the more you see things and same principle we used to do in the store, we want to sell something, we put it in your face. You know, you the shop wants you to buy all the sweets and stuff. They put it at the counter. It's that kind of mentality that that and trying to get through to people. Um, this is about setting up your home to make you work in a way that you dream to work. If that makes sense. Oh, that makes perfect sense. I, I love that you even mentioned like comparing it to like a vision board. I just. Yeah. I love that. I, that's like such a, I, I recently just got into making a vision board for myself with Busy Mumsy. I've never done that before. But the feeling on the other end of it, creating it was like, you know, I a little emotional, I'm not going to lie. And was just like, okay, now I've got a game plan for myself and what I want to do. It's like not seeing the light at the end of the tunnel, but feeling as if I'm not as manic moving forward. Yeah. I have allowed myself a game plan that I, I myself mapped out. Yeah. Vision boards are so great. They're so great as well, because they're just, you're just whacking a load of things down that you want to look, that you want to do. And then you can see it and you can look at it every day. I have mine on my desktop just, and I open it every now and again, just to revisit. And then it just, and then it spurs me on to, oh, right. Yeah. I need to do something with that. It totally works. When you put something in your face and you see it, you know, more and more and more, then you're more likely to go and work towards that. 
Um, so I, I truly believe in vision boards, not in a, I think people mistake things like that as sort of a bit of woo-woo magic. It's not, it's the psychology of if you, and this is an, another thing Linda taught us, if you stop talking about it, you'll stop doing it. And what a vision board does is it keeps it in your mind. Thinking about it constantly. Yeah. And she used to say that to us because we we moaned at her one day. We used to have a, a meeting in the mornings and we used to talk about these bloody loyalty cards. And we were like, Linda, do we have to talk about the loyalty cards again? We used to do it every morning and three times a day. How many loyalty cards has she done? And she went, Sophie, if we stop talking about it, you'll stop doing it. So we need to keep talking about it. And do you know what? When she was on holiday and we all gave ourselves a break from talking about the loyalty cards, we didn't do any. Well, Sophie, in, in line with the loyalty card, I find that on the Busy Mumsy podcast, it is loyalty from me and also as a Busy Mumsy guest to pass the torch to that expecting Busy Mumsy. Any words of wisdom from you that you could share to perhaps that new, you know, new parents that are juggling work as well? Anything that has really planted you to... Uh, keep moving forward with the folding lady? Um, I think, yeah, I think with uh, me running my own business, being my own boss, it's the most, as a parent, it's very freeing. Um, and, 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 you know, telling you as somewhat as a parent who was also the parent who was with me and my kid and used to work six days a week um, and used to run to the bus and get to the school and run back or do after school clubs and all that jazz. Um, you know, once now that I'm a business owner, it's actually just, it's so much easier. It's going to, you know, I mean, you might work in the evenings, but that's fine because I'm now going to school nativity plays and I'm doing pickups and I'm able to choose whether I wanna to go to the school fair or not. And those are things that I never used to be able to do. I can choose whether I work weekends rather than being told that I can work weekends. Um, I do miss the structure of working corporate, I have to say. I miss the routine and I miss, i tell you what I do miss, I miss not having the responsibility. Like I don't, the, the responsibility of the company does not lie with me, but it does now. So, I mean, that is quite a stress, I have to say. There's so many pros and cons, but I think when it comes to being a parent, it's, it's now my choice whether I do the school run and what hours I work and working around the, the children. But but to the to the mums and dads that do work in that corporate environment, you know, it's so tough. But I have to say um, two things, actually. One, it's a moment in time. You know, they're only at that age where they're really dependent on you for a short amount of time. So, you know, that's maybe you want to make some changes for that short amount of time, but it's not forever. And to, you know, don't be, don't be scared to ask for your, your workplace for certain things. I actually, at one point, um, when it was just me and George, asked my boss if I could do my full-time hours over six days for a year until I just sorted myself out because um, I couldn't afford childcare. It's too expensive. Don't even get me started on that. Yeah. But um, so I work six days a week and split one of my days between two, which meant I could take him to school and picking him up from school. Now, don't get me wrong, I had to, for a whole year, work six days a week and only have one day off. But to be able to take him to school and pick him up from school and just have a bit longer in the mornings and a bit longer in the afternoons was so worth it and really actually did make me feel like, I, I, I can't explain it, but it, it, it was good. It was a really good decision. You're explaining it perfectly as it reflects onto your mental health and how mm. you parent. That's that's being a, you know, a present parent. You need yeah. to be that way. So if you're happy in that type of aspect, then you're. That's only going to reflect on how you're parenting. Yeah, uh, yeah. So it it's it's a really tough one. Like I know, I just want to say, I know people come on here and they say oh, this, that, and the other, try and, try and say it's all positive. Do you know what? It's so difficult being a working parent when you're, when you're working in a corporate environment. It's so tough. 
there's so much attached to it guilt wise um too scared to ask your boss to leave early you know anticipating they're just going to say no um having to do to work extra hours and you don't get paid for it um all the while you really enjoy going to work and you really enjoy your job you know and what it's, and it's be, really so true a, a friend of mine just she's she's fallen pregnant they're so excited she's told her corporate job that she is pregnant and i've never seen my friend just have joy wiped away from her as to how they handled it and well, and she loved her job she loved yeah. her job like oh but wait a minute why it's are you not really bad. and this yeah. is what leads to to my biggest um the biggest thing that I think is I think we put a lot on parents and actually it's the businesses that need to change. It's corporate that needs to change um, some of that. And I'm not saying it's all businesses. It's not at all. But there's some out there that really, really don't handle it correctly and don't handle it properly. And and also that easing their way back into work. I mean, that's a whole other other moment when I was eased back in at the store. Um, I don't think it was great. Whereas I've been in a job when I was in a different job, actually a retail job, but a different job when I had Arthur. And when I came back to work, they invited me to do the whole induction again, which was incredible. It was just what I needed to do. And then they were very supportive um, and they were very supportive of people having babies. Like it was amazing. It was a whole different experience. So I think there's a lot to be said for businesses. And I think we put a lot on parents to, but at the end of the day, we're only doing, we're having babies. Uh, that's what we're, that's what we chose to do. I mean, that's what we're allowed to do. And, you know, there's a lot to say that we're supposed to change what we do and da, 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 da. And actually, sometimes I feel like the companies out there, they need to be a bit better. Um, like your friend's company. I mean, it's just, un, it's just in, unreal. That, that, that baby news should be stressed out from your job, not reacting properly to it. I mean, it pain, It actually pains me to hear that. It's just not yeah. okay. Agreed. Completely agreed. Well, Sophie, I, I actually could talk to you for another hour or oh, two. Oh, so could I. Gonna, <laughs> we just keep on keeping on. <laughs> I feel well, like I, I didn't even talk about like the things that I, I wanted to talk about. Didn't even, I didn't even talk about business too much, but maybe we well, can do this some time. As you are crushing life as the folding lady and your stuff is out there to the masses, to actually hear you genuinely talk about parenting and your life experiences, honestly, it, it, I am honored that you shared it on this platform. Um, so it was an absolute treasure to meet you. And thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me on. This was fun. Thanks so much for listening to this week's show. Did you like it, Adia? Yes! Oh, the enthusiasm. I love it. Please share your love by giving us a five-star rating, a rockin' review, and please share with any fellow Busy Mumsies. We love hearing from you. So if you want to get in touch, head to the Busy Mumsy show notes for further details and links to the Busy Mumsy website. So long for now. Can you say bye-bye, Adia? Bye-bye, Adia. <laughs> Hi, my name is Kay Adams, and to be honest, I'm not so good with the ageing process, so I enlisted my old chum, the filter-free Cara McKenzie, to advise. Could you imagine being a porn star? The room would need to be really hot for me to strip <laughs> off. To be honest, she's not much help, but she is rather amusing. And along with some great guests, Joe Brand, Andy Oliver, Anton Dubeck, Ruth Langsford, and Craig Revel Horwood, darling, we are learning how to be 60. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.